Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. This is my dad, Ted. Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Knightsky. Hey, as we start this year, one of the skills we all need to improve upon is problem solving. We have had a few conversations about problem identification and getting to the root cause, but what do we do when we identify the problem? Well, guess what? I'm going to share two cliches with you in the hopes that they become working mindsets for you as a leader. Now, remember that we are all leaders regardless of our role and that each moment of every day we demonstrate that leadership through our influence and support of others. We do this by optimistically charging into the storms that face us and others. Yet, sometimes others want us to chase their storm, and it's not our role. One of the great burdens of leadership is determining if supporting someone is empowering them or enabling them. And it's a very slippery slope when we lean towards enabling someone. It feels so good to solve a problem for someone else and then just move on. But by doing so, we rarely make the other person stronger. We just momentarily create relief, and weirdly, we get a great dependence of them on ourselves, and then the other person needs us, which also feels good, but we all love to be needed, so sometimes it can create a problem. So what do we do to empower others versus enable them? Well, let's start with a little bit of courage and a whole lot of willingness to confront. And not always confronting people, but at least confronting the problem. When I say we need to confront, the majority of time we need to confront ourselves and our own lack of courage to honestly either take on the problem or deflect the problem back to its source. And that's got a story for you. Years ago, I was mentoring a young leader who felt like she was constantly being tested by staff. I asked her what was happening. And she said that it felt like every day everyone was bringing her problems and expecting her to solve them. Now, this is pretty typical for someone in a hierarchical leadership position. People will depend upon you to make decisions each day and every day, and you'll make hundreds of decisions before the end of the day. We all do. However, as we debriefed, it began to become apparent that this leader was erroring on the side of enabling. And as a result, the staff she was supporting, well, they were becoming more disengaged less willing to take risks, and began to complain about her being a micromanager. What was happening was this young leader was making decisions about every problem that was brought her way, and then the staff became conditioned to ask permission to solve their own problems. And worse yet, the staff learned that they could skirt accountability by making the problem the leader's instead of their own. Now, as a side note, whenever someone says to you, listen, just tell me what you want me to do, Please, please immediately recognize that this is a transfer of accountability to you. While you you may feel good about it, just telling them what they need to do feels pretty good in the moment. You now own the success of that person because no matter what happens, they're going to do what you said. And when that happens and they fail, they will come back to you and everyone else and say, I did what you told me to do and it didn't work. Now it's your fault. Anyway, as we coached through the leader's issues at her site, she began to recognize her accidental removal of autonomy and why everyone was getting upset with her. 
She had become so used to just answering questions and guiding people that she forgot that strong leaders ask questions to inquire. They set expectations and they provide resources. Leaders don't always have the answers. And she felt that she always needed to have the answers, which is wrong. Here is why the two cliches come into play. And now your mindset needs to be these two things moving forward. Now, before I share this with you, you need to recognize that this is an empowering expectation that you need to internalize so that you are stronger for others. A great leader is a great coach and investigator, a leader who inquires and commands when necessary, but mostly just guides others to their own discoveries. When others have an epiphany, then you are leading with influence. As we coached, there were two things I shared with her that I want you to consider here moving forward in your leadership. The first is this, bring the problem to the problem. And the second is use the wisdom of the crowd to identify solutions. When everyone is expecting you to solve everything, whether that be as a teacher, a principal, a district leader, a lawyer, a business person, a doctor, whatever, you need to recognize that life isn't math. You're not responsible for solving all the problems. The problem needs to have the problem brought back to it. Too often, adults and children want to deflect the problem and hope that someone else deals with it. However, strong leader coaches understand that the problem needs to be walked right back to its source and then expected to be solved with your support, not your solution. Again, with your support, but not necessarily your solution. Please hear the difference here. When you are besieged with identifying, addressing, and solving problems all day long, that's a lot of hills to die on. So what needs to happen instead is the problem needs to be walked back. And this is why I said you'll need a little bit of courage because you need to say to those involved, this is the problem and I want you to address it. It's your problem. Bring the problem back to the problem. If you are on the receiving end of solving your own problem, it's very empowering. As a leader, you have one question. What do you need from me in order to be successful? This allows you to provide resources, coaching, and support, not solutions that will be a failure trap. Failure where the others are looking to free themselves of the burden of the responsibility. You need to look at problems like fishing. Is the problem large enough to keep and collaborate around, or is this a small fish that needs to be put back? You'll know the difference. But if you create a culture around you that is empowering instead of enabling, well, you'll have people around you walking their problems back and asking for resources instead of casting blame your way for not fixing what's bothering the other person. Here's an example. When I was a young principal, I was having a terrible time with a very trying young student. He was always disrespectful in class, often belligerent, and many times his language made him a shoo-in for the merchant marines. However, he was 11. And each time I would go to support a teacher or aide or adult who was on the other end of one of his rants, he would turn all of his attention and salty language my way, directly challenging me as the principal in front of others and having zero fear of the consequences coming his way. He had us bringing large teams of people together to discuss all the things we needed to do to and for him. We would try them out and only have him immediately smell us out and go right back to his old behavior. Then one day, an equally salty seasoned staff member said, hey, we should stop trying to fix a problem without involving the problem. She asked him what we needed to do. What? 
I asked her, what are you doing? And she said, Ted, you need to start to ask him what we need to do. And that is the day I learned the magical phrase, what do I need to do different to help you find success? You see, we often look past the problems. Instead, we just try to fix it without going to it and putting it back on them. I simply went to the young man and asked him what we could do different so that he would be more respectful. And after a little bit of him staring me down and trying to figure out what I was up to, he went on to explain that, well, Mr. Knightsky, I'm afraid of going home after we get pulled out of class, especially when I get pulled out of class because of the consequences at home and the verbal and sometimes physical abuse that I might have to endure. And he would have to endure that because his parents were so tired of being called and bothered at school and they didn't know what else to do. He and I made a deal that if he was immediately compliant when I asked him to knock it off or others asked him to knock it off, there'd be no call home. And then he said, well, you know what else? No one other, no one ever has anything good to say about me. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Well, now the problem gave us a solution. You know what he needed? He needed some level of positive reinforcement, of value, of worth. He needed somebody to recognize something good within him. And we did that. Now, I realize this is a little Xanadu-ish for some of you, but it is true. And most of the time, when you work with those who are the problem, they'll give you the solution. But when you try to solution all over the problem, you'll likely fail. And if you tell others how to solve it and they fail, <laughs> they resent you for not being right. So bring the problem to the problem. Now, the second cliche is to use the wisdom of the crowd. Again, when problem solving, we too often sit in a room with a couple of other people and we brainstorm with the capacity of just the people in the room. But the greatest amount of wisdom comes from this greatest amount of people. When you are struggling with finding creative solutions, tackling large issues, trying to find out how to get a classroom or a group of staff to engage or be more respectful, again, you need to bring that problem and utilize the wisdom of the crowd. This is done by asking very simply as many people as you can to provide a single solution to whatever it is you are facing. In order to do this, there are three conditions that have to be met, and listen carefully to these. Number one, everyone has to agree that there is a problem and see the problem in the same way. We all have to be able to offer a solution without interference or consequence from others. And last, everyone has to see all of the ideas that were generated. Let's break those down. So when you have an opportunity to use the wisdom of the crowd, which could be 10 people or 1,000 people, you have to very clearly identify the problem. And people have to be able to understand that problem and why it is a problem. If they argue, well, that, well, I don't think that's the problem. I think the problem is this or that. Well, then you don't have agreement. But if we can agree that there is a problem and what that problem is, we can get some really good ideas. The second rule is that each person has to, has to be able to provide a solution without interference from others. In other words, everyone gets to write out their idea without the influence of the loudest voice in the room. Because as soon as someone yells out, I think that we should, oh, then people are either with that one single solution or against that single solution. Instead, bring the problem to the people and have them clearly identify what it is they personally believe and then collect all of the responses. Now, the third expectation is a critical piece. You have to publish all of the solutions. Here is what will happen. When you take a universally agreed upon problem to an entire group, 
there will be a significant amount of agreement on solutions. And then there will be some wild ideas that are outliers. And it is the outliers thinking that will allow you to be innovative in your strategies and solutions. There's an entire book about this called The Wisdom of Crowds. And it was written by an economist who demonstrates that the answer of any group are far better than those of any individual. Here's the deal. We're heading into another year with a lot of unique problems coming our way. Hope seems to be dimmed often, which means we are easily frustrated with people and issues. Well, that's not what we do as Buffalo leaders. We charge into those issues. And many of those issues that are all relative in size, but each of them an issue to someone. As leaders, we need to often put the burden of addressing all of these issues on our own shoulders. Well, the truth is, the greatest leaders hit the problem back across the court like a forehand in tennis. Not that they don't want to deal with them. Instead, we want you to deal with them. I need to deal with them. Because that's what buffaloes do. I don't charge my problem to someone else. I charge into it. Leaders take the problem back to the problem and then use the entire crowd or herd to solve them. Having problems with kids turning in homework? Well, ask, well, the kids, what do you need to do differently in order to get the homework turned in on time? Having problems with morale with staff and students or friends? Ask them what you need to do specifically in order to increase morale. Having problems retaining staff? Ask them all and bring the problem back to them. What do we need to do here to make this a greater place to live and work? You'll lose your mind trying to address all your problems and those that others bring to you if you do not collaborate and collect gigantic banks of ideas. You'll be amazed how this mindset can transform your leadership and most importantly, those around you. So let's do some smart thinking. Describe problems you are currently facing that you can bring back to the problem. List ways you can bring the problem to the wisdom of the crowd and reflect upon what you need to do different to allow this process to work for you. That's it. That's the Smart Thinking Podcast. As always, thank you for listening, and please rate this episode before you close out and share this episode with whomever you believe needs to learn and grow from our smart thinking here today. Thank you to the Well Pennies for their great music, and please, please make sure to follow them on your music platform. Now finally, it feels really good to solve a problem for someone else. But in the end, it feels tremendous when you see someone else empowered to address their issues on their own. When others come flying in and share their success and thank you for giving them the space, the encouragement, and the tools to go and address what is bothering them, it's very gratifying. If you find yourself overwhelmed with issues, step back and then start walking them to the problem. You cannot and you should not be responsible for all the issues brought to you. You should instead be responsible for making certain that the people around you whether they are five years old, members of your family, or people you work with, that they should be willing to be involved with you. And you should encourage them and then seek as many other ideas as possible from all the people around you to help solve all the problems that we're all facing. NASA. NASA once had a problem that they brought public, accidentally, and that was pencils in space. <laughs> Both the United States and Soviets needed to be able to write in space. Pencil graphite breaks, and then it floats around doing damage to the spaceship. Ballpoint pens use gravity to allow the ink to flow, and these were both serious problems. Then one day, the problem was brought publicly when it was disclosed that NASA had spent hundreds of dollars on a single mechanical pencil. 
When the problem was disclosed to the world, a pen manufacturer put his people to the task and invested his own money to solve the problem. He was the crowd, and the wisdom of the crowd was then engaged. The pen company developed a gravity-proof space pen with special ink and a nitrogen-charged ink cartridge that could write upside down, sideways, every way, and with zero gravity. He sold the pens to NASA for under $3. There are tons of examples of crowdsourcing, and yet many of us forget that the best answers are all around us and we just need to ask. All of us have burdens and feel that need to punish ourselves and try to take it all on. And some of us work to avoid any problems at all. And then they pile up all around us. Well, be a Buffalo leader. Take the problem to the problem and then involve as many people as possible in the solution. Collaboration needs to happen. Compromise needs to happen. And innovation will follow, as will growth of you as a leader. Moving forward, there's nothing that you can't do. That is, as long as you involve others, ask great questions, and coach people to where they need to be.